It's Wednesday, January 2nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio today, Seth Jason. Happy New Year! Happy New Year. Is it that already? It's Happy New Year! For a couple of days now. All right. And the market's open, unlike yesterday when the market was closed and people were recovering from the night before and presumably watching a lot of college football here in America. Looks hungover from the headlines I saw this morning, the market here. Yeah, the market does look a little hungover. I was was on vacation for more than a week, and I didn't read a single bit of news. No financial news, no other news. Hey, guess what? The world's a lot better that way. Sorry to pull you back to reality in your day job. Yeah, can I just think about like where Harry Potter might have been in London and what Roman thing is underneath my feet? That's so we much can get better. to that. It's a better way to live. It is. It is. But in the meantime, let's talk about what's going on with the market. Uh, and, and in the <laughs> wow, <laughs> I've listened to the enthusiasm. Exactly. Now I'm just thinking about people who have listened to this podcast for a while and maybe have said to a couple of their friends, "Hey." It's the start of a new year, and this is the first start, one. Start, start <laughs> getting your finances in order. Hey, here's this podcast I listen to. Listen to this, and this is the uh, first this is episode. The first one. There are at least a couple of people. This is their first episode. Do we have video? I can get the Napoleon up. Oh. Uh, let's get to the market. Um, market down because there's there's very little news, and what news we have is. Not encouraging on a macro level, and that is no. from China and the the monthly report in terms of factory activity in China was not great. I mean, it was factory activity in China for the month of December shrank, yep. and it's the first time since mid 2017 that that's happened. Yeah, and then if it were just China, you could say, oh, you know, boy, the president sure is. Sticking it to the Chinese, USA, USA, but it's actually a whole bunch of uh, the manufacturing countries over in Asia. Korea somehow uh, going the other direction for now, anyway. South Korea, North Korea, I'm pretty sure the manufacturing is still probably lousy. And um, so it looks a little bit more broad based than just a China problem. And of course, uh, the the culprit is probably just fears about global trade wars, tariffs everywhere. If we're going to do uh, politics and policy by just always being angry at stuff coming from somewhere else, um, people are are getting afraid. At the same time, you've got there were some slowdowns in Europe, also Italy moving in the opposite direction, and um, so these are not good things. So if you you see these index indices down. Probably a prediction that yeah, some companies are really starting to wonder about demand over the next few months, and they're pulling back a bit. Not good. And definitely not good. And it reminds me of uh, Fred Smith, CEO of FedEx, uh, a couple of weeks ago. There was that. I was still here for that. Yeah. People were surprised. Well, and and you know, Fred Smith was pretty pointed in his uh, remarks uh, about politicians around the world, but. It, it really points to something that, uh, and you touched on this. It, it really points to the level of uncertainty that large companies and, uh, by ripple effect, medium and small companies have with respect to a lot of different things. Not just okay, what a, what is the state of trade between the U.S. and China, uh, but also w- in terms of planning that large companies can do mm-hmm. around manufacturing. Um, you know what can they be certain of? And when you're doing your budgeting, 
12 to 24 months out. Or further, in the case of capacity right. uh, capacity increases right, that you're investing in. Um, yeah, this is all this is all kind of scary, and it has a ripple effect. And then, of course, you've got uh, the ripple effect of uh, a stock market that suddenly drops into free fall at the end of the year. Uh, maybe deservedly so. There were some just nosebleed valuations on a lot of stocks. And um, so these are normal, but they they freak people out. And when people get freaked out, they tend to fold their wallets up and keep them in their pocket, and that pulls the demand back. So the freak out over nothing can turn into an actual something, and then you really need to freak out, right? So before we get to what might be interesting to look at in terms of investments in 2019, Mm -hmm. let's go in the other direction for a second. Are there things, uh, whether it's individual companies or industries, that you're sort of looking at and saying to yourself, you know what, I'm not going to look in that direction for investing ideas? Because for me, uh, and I, I think I touched on this on a recent episode of Motley Fool Money, for me, it really seems like restaurants are a stay away. For me personally, mm-hmm. it's an industry that I understand. And based on what's been happening over the last 12 to 18 months in restaurants, I, I just sort of think to myself, there's so much upheaval. You have so many that are either aggressively looking at going private or are flirting with the idea that I just think, as an investor, I'm avoiding restaurant stocks yeah. in 2019. Well, if they're all going to go private, then maybe you want to buy some. You know, maybe <laughs> depending on those prices, right? It is tough for me to go um, to be an industry or sector investor because there's always outperformers in every area, right? Obviously, uh, restaurants. You know, we. For years, we were saying, hey, we're over-restauranted here in the U.S. But people said that for a long, long time, and a lot of restaurants uh, did a lot of business and, and expanded. While that was going on, it did just fine. So, the good operators will always stand out. Uh, I haven't checked in with my with my friends at Chef's Warehouse for a while, but uh, you know, as of a year or so ago, and I suspect this is still going on now, kind of higher-end restaurants, Chef's Warehouse sells fancier stuff to higher-end restaurants, like think country clubs or small chef-driven restaurants and things. They were doing pretty well, but the the mass restaurants were engaging in price wars, and uh, you know the ones who could stay on top of things with apps and delivery were doing better than others. But there's upheaval in that business, the same as there is in bricks and mortar retailing, and those who aren't uh, doing a good job of selling stuff the way consumers want to get it are falling behind. I mean, there was an interesting article I read a while ago about you know Uber Eats was wandering around in Brooklyn, and they know that okay, there's no burgers. Close enough in Brooklyn to deliver to people, so they asked somebody who ran, I don't remember what it was—a pizza shop or something. Do you want to be a burger restaurant? There's no burger restaurant there. In the back of this place, they make burgers and fries. They gave it a burger restaurant name, and this business started selling burgers like crazy, delivery only. So there are places in the restaurant business where money is going to be made, and I suspect that the better operators are the ones who will do better with digital. And uh, and online and delivery and things like that. But to get back to kind of the sectors or the industries in general, I took a back at the losers, um, and I guess performance is what I was looking for over the past 12 months. But right now, <laughs> as at the end of last year, uh, that was looked a lot like losers. So I mean, you had energy, for instance, down 20 percent um, over the year. Materials almost as much. Industrials uh, probably 15 percent there. Consumer discretionary. You think of companies like. Under Armour and others getting wailed on. Um, actually, one of the the best 
not you know not positive performers, but only down a couple of percent. There's there's very few sectors that looked that took a win for the whole year. Healthcare being one of them, um, and utilities uh, a very small eking out a small gain. So I usually look at the sectors that have uh, I start my hunting where things have been the worst in the in the past year because that's where I expect the lingering crummy sentiment to be in that I'll be able to find bargains. So that's usually where I start. And so this year, if you're comfortable with energy, you might want to start looking at energy, look at materials. Materials are always interesting. If you can find good operators in like cement or aggregates, smaller companies, one I follow is um, is Eagle Materials. Um, it's really tough to send that stuff too far, right? It's expensive to ship rocks and cement and stuff. So if you find a better operator uh, that that has a good geography and it's down and it's a good operator, that can be a good investment, especially in a down cycle like this. What does Eagle Materials do? Is that like beaks and feathers? Like, yeah, that's what you would think. It's uh, it's uh, primarily sort of around Texas with cement and aggregates and things. And then they also have a wallboard business. So the wallboard business was actually doing pretty well, even though the the housing uh, things started to fall apart at the end of last year. So, um, that is one that I happen to like. Probably not going great guns right now with sales, uh, you know, real estate market down and maybe a pullback in infrastructure investing. But these cycles all eventually turn, and in the meantime, you get a good player at a cheaper price than, than at the height of the up cycle. So, I, look, I like to look in places like that. It's a nice reminder that, uh, you know, as you said, that even when an industry can be down, or an industry as a group can be challenged. That if if you take the time and look within, uh, you might find uh, some hidden gems in there. Yeah, and that that always holds. And last year provides a, an, an interesting. Uh, this market this year, I'm going to say, might be an easier market to to make money because sentiment is probably going to be poor for a while. And so last year is a, I'm I'm looking at this article by someone named John Butters and it was about how and this this happens pretty often if you took at the beginning of 2018 and you took the uh, stocks in the S&P 500 um, and took the the number of buy ratings on them divided it into into quintiles and you took the the stocks with the lowest number of buy ratings well guess which performed the best last year it was those stocks. In fact, the only the only one, according to this, that that had a positive return by the end of the year, and that's because last year everything everybody was so excited about everything, and there was lingering bad sentiment on a certain combination of stocks, and and those stocks outperformed. So I think looking for the unpopular stocks is probably always a, always a good idea. Probably the a better idea in a super great market. Um, however, we have kind of a different market this year, and and I think you can almost just just pick any stock of any business that you really like. I mean, we've we've talked about Home Depot a few times in here recently. What have what have we what have we been saying about Home Home Depot quarter after quarter? Do you remember? I've been in here. They just crush it. They have been crushing it, right? Yet pretty much, yeah, across the board. So this is one of those examples. And by the way, just just to hold that thought for a second, when I think back to the end of 2018, um, it was a warning sign when Home Depot reported their uh, what whenever was their last quarterly report. I remember uh, talking on this podcast and around the office, probably to the point where I was annoying people, that I was dumbfounded. Home Depot put up the quarter that they did 
um, had the guidance that they had, and the stock was still down. Yeah. And it was just one. Of, it was a little bit of a canary in a coal mine where I was like, wait, wait. And it was, I think, followed the the next week by Walmart. Same sort of thing. Not not as glowing a report, yeah. but same sort of thing. I was like, is it just me or is something weird happening in the market when Home Depot, with years of a great track record, mm-hmm. puts up these numbers, keeps guidance where it is? And the market is selling it off. Like, what? What do people know that I don't? Because yeah. right now, this is looking a little mystifying. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I said, "Do we need to? How clever do we need to be?" I had a, I had a, I had a planned tangent from the clever, which I'll go into really quickly. Which is, if you think of a guy like David Einhorn, another terrible year last year. He's really, really a smart guy, but he's almost too clever. All right, we think Tesla's probably. Massaging the numbers, being a little wacky, doing crazy things, no long-term value. He thinks, well, you can still get your, you know, you can still get creamed having a short. So why bother? You know, except that he's really smart and he wants to be right. So his fund's doing terribly, but a very smart guy. I think this is 2019 is a kind of year where it's a great year for people like us. You don't have to be very smart, and you can make some money in stocks. Home Depot, I think, is a good example. So the stock is down. Uh, probably 20 odd, 20 oddish percent here, according to the chart I'm looking at. And in the meantime, you got a free cash flow yield to that stock price, about 5, 5.1%, 2.4% dividend yield, according to what I've got here, selling at a multiple uh, to revenue that is uh, still a little bit high historically. But if you look at the charts and you look at just the direction of their margins and how well they do, and, and by the way, they're doing well in the places they need to. They're, they're doing well in digital sales, app, you know, sales through the phone, order online, pick up in store. They're doing all the right things, and the stock has been crushed along with a lot of the rest. I'm no fan of the Google. The Google is down quite a bit, and they just churn through the cash, right? I mean, I have a feeling that one day governments should, probably now, split them up. They just have too much power. But is it going to happen? Probably not. If it happens, will it affect the value? Probably not. They've got this variety of businesses. The Google has been has been creamed lately. I really dislike the Facebook more than anything. I'm not on Facebook. I think it's terrible for humanity, but so were cigarettes. And how long did that, did that business make people rich? I mean, Facebook's down almost a half, throwing out you know four and a half percent free cash flow yield. People spend all their time on it. These are some easy ideas. They're right under your nose, and thanks to a little market panic in the the last month or so, they're a lot cheaper than they were. It is going to be interesting though when Facebook reports their next quarter because you see this. Almost anecdotal evidence of people saying, "Well, I've deleted it from my phone. Yeah. I'm, del-, you know, people." And I wonder if anyone really does. Well, that's the thing. It's like, okay, so if that many people, according, you know, you saw a report the other day of, I think the number was forty percent of. It's like forty percent of this age demographic deleted it from their phone. Yeah. It's like, all right, well, that's based on a survey. If that's actually true, then this is going to be the most interesting quarter. In Facebook's history as a public company, probably right after the first quarter they ever yeah. reported. Yeah, well, and you've still got Instagram, which everyone's addicted to, which right. I've never used because just I, it's not for you and me. It's not for you. It's not for us. <laughs> it's yet, not for us. We've got WhatsApp, which I have used, which I don't use as much anymore because they started sticking ads in the middle of your list of calls. I'm like, are you kidding me? There's an ad there, or was that Facebook Messenger? That was Facebook Messenger. I guess they're threatening. To put ads in WhatsApp, which is why the WhatsApp guy left, right? Yeah. 
They're going to put ads everywhere. The business is selling ads. Right? I was going to say they're they're in the business of selling ads. Yeah. Why wouldn't they stick ads exactly. everywhere they can? And and it may be un, you know unpalatable to to geezers like us, but you know they have a lot of eyeballs, and so they're selling a lot of ads and they're making a lot of money. So I that just I think 2019, if you can avoid being a panicky a panicky Peter. You don't. You won't have to be too clever this year. I think if you just keep at it. If you don't even want to pick individual stocks, this is the year to just make sure that you're getting your money taken out every month, put in your 401k and your index fund and your S&P 500 index fund or something. This is the kind of year to make sure that that's happening for sure. Yeah, our friends at uh, the Motley Fool Answers podcast do a great job of talking every week about money 101 issues. Um, and to the extent that we'll talk about them on this podcast, it'll just be to echo that comment. Like if you're if you've got a 401k plan, any sort of retirement plan, particularly if there's a matching component from your employer, free money. Max that thing out. Yeah, and especially because um, if you're in a higher higher-ish tax bracket, such as the sorts of folks who listen to this podcast that are, have some money available for investing, you lose in some of your some of your ways to get to uh, to get the tax man off your back, right? With the with the the uh, home uh, and real estate tax changes, uh, write off changes. So one of the the still at this point uh, dependable ways is to just get rid of get rid of taxable income and and maxing out those four hundred one ks and any other retirement plan that you can is the best way to do that. Uh, before we wrap up, you were over in London. Yeah, were you in? We were. Where else besides London? Were you in Rome? We, no, no. We were just in London. We stayed down by uh, uh, by St. Paul's at the, near the Blackfriars Station. There, the Blackfriars Art Deco pub is down that way. Uh, it's near the bridge that the Death Eaters destroy in the beginning of that Harry Potter uh, movie, the nice. Millennium Bridge, which we found out the locals called the Wobbly Bridge. It was originally installed. It wobbled a lot. It was perfectly safe, but people got scared and sick. And so, apparently, in England, in the theaters, when the Death Eaters destroyed that thing, the, the audiences applauded. <laughs> Can I just suggest that if a bridge is nicknamed by the populace the Wobbly Bridge, the civic leaders might want to do something about they that. They did. They fixed it yeah, because people didn't want to go <laughs> that's over. That's terrifying. It. Yeah, but this that's so English. Oh, the wobbly bridge. <laughs> it is. That's delightful. Yeah, we were in London. We had a, a wonderful time. If we have any London listeners over there, thank you for for a great time. Sybil now has a favorite Irish pub. Oh, uh, one more reason I'm a fan of your daughter. And it has it serves Thai food. Sure. Irish pub that served Thai food, and she taught the manager and one of the waitresses how to play an ancient Roman board game similar to Go. I got a strange kid. She's great. I think she's creative. I, not strange. Let's let's steer clear of the word strange. She's uh, creative and delightful. Strange in the best way. In the best possible way. Seth Jason, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about on the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Fuller. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>